Hello and welcome to Communicore Weekly. I'm George. And I'm Jeff. We asked what you wanted, and we heard you loud and clear. Alright, we get it. You guys like the bathroom break. That's fine. I mean, we got a lot of emails and comments from people missing it, so we had to include one in this week's show. And this one is a good one. Let's get to it. It's time for Disney History! Robert Bernard Sherman was born on December 19, 1925, in New York City to Russian-Jewish immigrants Rosa and Al Sherman. You could say that songwriting was in his blood, because Robert's father, Al, was a fairly successful songwriter, who paid for Robert's hospital delivery costs with a royalty check for the song, Save Your Sorrow. Following seven years of frequent cross-country moves, the Shermans finally settled down in Beverly Hills, California. Throughout his years at Beverly Hills High School, he wrote and produced radio and stage programs for which he won much acclaim. At age 16, he wrote a stage play centered on contemporary 1940 Americans that showed how their lives changed following the December 7, 1941 attack on Pearl Harbor. The play yielded thousands of dollars for war bonds and earned a special citation from the War Department. In 1943, Sherman obtained permission from his parents to join the Army a year early at age 17. In early April 1945, he led half a squad of men into Dachau concentration camp, becoming the first Allied troops to enter the camp after it had been evacuated by the fleeing German military only hours earlier. On April 12, 1945, Sherman was shot in the knee, forcing him to walk with a cane for the rest of his life. For his service to his country, he received numerous awards, including the Purple Heart Medal. Upon returning after the war, Robert attended Bard College, where he majored in English literature and painting, where he graduated from in 1949. Two years after that, he began to collaborate with his brother Richard on songs. In 1958, the Sherman Brothers had their first top ten hit, Tall Paul, which was sung by Annette Funicello. The song yielded the attention of Walt Disney, who eventually hired the Sherman Brothers as staff songwriters for Walt Disney Studios. While at Disney, the Sherman Brothers wrote what is perhaps their most recognized song, It's a Small World, for the attraction of the same name for the 1964 New York World's Fair. Since then, they went on to create many memorable tunes for Disney attractions and shows. They also won two Academy Awards in 1965 for Mary Poppins. The Sherman Brothers worked directly for Walt Disney until Disney's death in 1966. After leaving the company, the brothers worked freelance as songwriters on scores of motion pictures, television shows, theme park exhibits, and stage musicals. Their first non-Disney assignment was Chitty Chitty Bang Bang in 1968, which earned their third Academy Award nomination. In fact, since Mary Poppins, Robert earned nine Academy Award nominations, two Grammy Awards, four Grammy Award nominations, and 23 gold and platinum albums. A lesser-known aspect of Sherman's life was his painting, which he had done since 1941 and kept private until 2002. Sherman has worked in various visual arts media, including clay and metal sculpture, but his main focus was on oil painting, which he did throughout the 1940s, 50s, and 60s. He switched to acrylics in the mid-1960s and stuck to that medium. In April 2002, an exhibition of Sherman's paintings was held in London, England at Thompson's Gallery. This was the first public exhibition of his painting since he started painting in 1941. 
After that, Robert exhibited his paintings in both Florida and California. Throughout his life, Robert has earned many achievements for his musical endeavors, including being inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame in June 2005. On March 11, 2010, the Sherman Brothers were presented with a window on Main Street USA in Disneyland in honor of their contribution to the Disney theme parks, movies, and more. Robert B. Sherman died in London on March 5, 2012. He left behind a legacy of music and artwork that is unparalleled. His effect on the Walt Disney Company carries throughout the years, and the tunes he helped bring to life will last a lifetime. We'll miss you, Robert. He's a nerd, he's a geek, but we all like to hear him speak. So listen up to the words from his beat. It's George's Book of the Week. Building a Dream by Beth Dunlop was released in 2011. This is an update to the book that she had released in 1995. I've had a few people ask me if it is worth it to purchase this second version, and my answer is always yes. There's enough coverage over the past 15 years to justify a second edition. The biggest difference between the two books is the historical coverage. The 1995 one does look more at the pre-Eisner architecture. This leads me to the crux of this review, which is that it is really a look at the architecture that Michael Eisner ushered into the company. We start with the Swan and Dolphin, learning the details behind the hotels and the changes that Eisner wanted. From there, it is a litany of architectural superstars that are paraded throughout the book. We see concept artwork, architectural details, and absolutely gorgeous buildings. As can be expected, we get a good look at the American theme parks and their hotels. We take a trip over to Paris and Tokyo to see the hotels and the support buildings there. The last few chapters look at celebration and the buildings Disney has done outside its property, like the New Amsterdam. By far though, my favorite section was Off to Work We Go, a look at Disney corporate buildings. It is a fairly detailed look at the Team Disney buildings in Anaheim and Orlando and the architectural styles of other administrative buildings. Most of us don't get to see the Casting Center or the Reedy Creek Improvement District buildings, so this is a treat. And most Disney fans will enjoy this book, but it is geared more towards fans of architecture. Now, George, you mentioned the swan and the dolphin. Is it true there that big black hole in that, the hotel can be taken out so a monorail can go through there? I heard that. No, it's actually, that is Rick Astley's personal suite. Sometimes it's a one, sometimes it's a two. When you gotta go, what you gonna do? It's a bathroom break, a bathroom break. The Crane Plumbing Bathroom of Tomorrow opened on April 5th, 1956 in Tomorrowland at Disneyland. Also known as Fun with Water to some, it featured a display of citrus yellow fixtures designed by Henry Dreyfus. This bathroom was designed to show folks of yesterday the wonders of tomorrow. On top of the usual bathroom fixtures, this bathroom took it to the next level. Ever wanted to work out in the bathtub? Well, now you can with the pair of dumbbells attached to the wall. There is even a gold telephone and a ceramic poodle. The bathroom also included its own heating and cooling system to help keep you warm in the winter and cool in the summer. This bathroom of tomorrow has it all. What more could you need? The bathroom was part of a larger exhibit called Industrial Flow Control. There, guests can play with the valves in industry to control the flow of water in a colorful display of transparent pipes. The attraction closed on August 31st, 1965. So there was nothing about 
time traveling in the bathroom of tomorrow? Unfortunately not. I think they tried to add it for when you flushed it, you'd go ahead a year, but it didn't work out too well. They didn't have plutonium. Or the flux capacitor. Or the TARDIS. Sometimes you might see it, sometimes you don't. Hey, look, what's that? It's a five-legged goat. Prior to the opening of Epcot Center in 1982, Disney used tickets for the rides. You had the A, B, C, D, and E tickets that were good for various rides in the park. When Epcot opened, all of the attractions were considered E tickets, so they decided to scrap that system and move to a general admission ticket. Over the years, the ticket booths have been repurposed or demolished. The last remaining ticket booth at the Magic Kingdom in Walt Disney World can still be seen today, hawking Disney's best-kept secret. And Jeff, do you know what that is? I believe it's the Disney Vacation Club. You are correct, sir. You know what you won? What? Uh, well, thanks so much for watching. Well, you can leave us a comment. Or email us at communicorweekly at gmail.com. You can also like us on Facebook. Follow us on the Twitter. You can still enter our fantastically fuzzy photo contest. I'm George. And I'm Jeff. And we're from Mice Chat. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next week on Communicore Weekly. Thought